Hey, everybody. Oh, yeah. One, two. Huh? Baby, do the hand thing. Baby, do the hand thing. One, two, three. Hey, everybody. We are here, and we're going to talk about Lord of the Rings, but I don't want to because I just watched the new episode of Mandalorian, and it was wild. It was crazy. It was off the hook. Off the chain, you might say. Off off the chain code. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh. You see what I did there? Oh, I can't even, I don't even know where to begin. We're actually, we've been sitting here for like 45 minutes just in awe. What was that, episode six? Yeah, it was. Yeah, we got two left before the season's over. There was, the tragedy. Wasn't that yeah. what it was called? There, there was one point where you could hear, uh, or at different points, you could hear me and Tanner on different levels <laughs> of the house going, <laughs> <laughs> John just kept yelling, now this is pod racing. <laughs> oh. Intermittently every five minutes. Yeah, yeah. It was. Dude, when Slave One comes around that corner, I just want to say, yeah. been calling it. Spoilers. Well, yeah, but this isn't going to come out for a week. Yeah, spoiler alert. Oh, okay, so if this you haven't seen it by this point, it's your own fault. Yeah, you guys are going to be seeing us talk about uh, hip-hop and uh, country music today, this week, probably today. Yeah. Well, you're you're talking from the past. So we're actually from the future right now. I know. Time travel. Oh, we're from Dude. the future. Okay, so let's go back to this. Time travel doesn't exist in Star Wars. We said that's kind of interesting. Neither does the internet. I, well, they do have the hollow net. Nobody ever uses it. Must be dial-up. <laughs> Nobody ever knows anything It's for some in reason. all the books. I'm like, would Legends. you just look it up on Wikipedia, please? <laughs> I know what's going on in your universe better than you. <laughs> Oh, okay. We, you know, we do off. We just have to have a little recap here. Mm-hmm. So, go back to Slave One, though. Yes, Dude, I had yes. it. I had it. Tell me about I was it. like, I was like, I know there's going to be this one moment now that they're off tattooing where Slave One's just going to bloop and just be there. So dope when it came in. I I gotta say, I love the way they have, like in five, when it's like walks on screen. Yeah, there's no, there's no setup it's uh-huh. just it's there yeah everything's there. not these jump reactions and like oh yeah like oh a ship's coming oh god it's slave one you know it's like yeah of course we knew that media yeah i liked i liked seeing it get to do the conversion as it landed too that was cool really nice and fluid uh it worked a lot better than my lego slave one did <laughs> the uh the wings on that thing like kind of rocked back and forth. No, they, were, they were too loose actually oh. like they they wouldn't ever stay you would you would hold it upright and they would be fine and then you would you'd you know you'd move it to land yeah and, and they would adjust but if you just did you know if you did a back and forth movement real quick they mm-hmm. you uh did you say that was a slave did you have bobas or Django's? i had bobas mm, i had Django's, and I, mm. I i i specifically remember putting it together and it just disintegrated like it would not, um, John. You got You're getting a. What is all that? Uh, <laughs> um, do you have somewhere you need to be right now? No, I'm dealing with other things. Would you like to share with the class? <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um. The uh, remember how uh, Slave One is green and red because of Hondo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So every time I think about that, like I'm thinking about the two colors too, it's uh, 
So, you know, now that we've got, so now that Django has been uh, made a foundling, which is super cool. Yeah, recanonized, mm-hmm. right? Recanonized. Uh, it'll be interesting. Maybe we might finally get a on-screen uh, backstory of the Slave One, which would be kind of nice, you know, if we see that transfer of that happen. I still think... I think we're just, I'm waiting on Hondo to come back, man. I do. I, I, I still think Boba is probably going to die either in next season or the end of this one. I think now they've recanoned him as Mando. He He's not a bitch anymore. He's gonna get to be an ultra badass, and he's gonna sacrifice. And I think, I think the destroying of the Razor Crest, if anything, was the moment you're like, Boba's gonna die. Yeah, and then he agreed. Then's gonna get the ship. Yep. Can I tell you though how worried I was because the episode was called the tragedy. He was flying up. He man, uh, mm. Boba's looking at the ship, and he's like, "The Empire's." Back. I was like, "He's about to get blown out of mm-hmm. the sky!" Oh my god! And I just say. Uh, from an audiophile's point of view, that when uh, Boba is flying up towards the uh, Accutans class cruiser there, that uh, the sound of his ship, it was like, took me back to episode two in theaters. Ah, uh, so right, cool. Right before the seismic charges. So dope. And then, uh, and then you said, we won't be seeing him again. I am kind of surprised they didn't like take fire on him or something. It was almost like they but didn't notice he was there. we will be seeing him again. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he did like just fly right up and then mm-hmm. scoot by, and they were just like, "That's cool." Django so strong he can bend Beskar. Yeah, cool. I feel like Slave One has always had some weird like not being able to be sensed stuff going on. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah, maybe he just like was. I wouldn't be surprised if there's something like the way it turns. Maybe it doesn't get hit by. You know, who knows? Like, maybe part of the fact that it, like, rotates keeps it from, like, being picked up on some sort of radar or something. I don't know. Who knows? You know anything about that? That sound familiar? No, I'm sorry. I'm just fact-checking myself. But uh, <laughs> Is it the Accutan? It is, yeah. Do you know why? Is there is there any uh, written reason that the Slave One, like, uh, reorients as it's flying and as it's landing? Um. Uh... I I think I remember something about it just being, uh, like, for the space inside somehow it made more sense for it to. I don't know, mm-hmm. like it was laid out nicer one direction or the other. I don't I don't know. It, it wasn't. I feel it, like it, why are you asking? It's really cool. Yeah, it is cool. <laughs> I feel like I've seen him talk about it like in That's combat. Oh yeah. You could, like basically you're up and now the whole ship is below you, but all your guns are there too. So you just kind of like this little. It's not like you're, it's almost like it becomes like a little mech for you rather than like a car. Oh. So, uh, not to change the subject, but uh, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Oh. Uh, did you see the, uh, there's been some new articles about the uh, cast. Um, you tell. Um, some of the people from Dune are in it. I was actually going to, <gasps> I was going to, oh, did you see too that uh, HBO Go is going to get Dune? Uh, like day one when it's released, like in theaters, it's, you can be able to watch it at home. Sweet. Yeah. I don't, I don't know though. I, I, I will drive six hours to watch that in theaters. Mm-hmm. If I have to. But I guess I, you could go watch it in theaters and then we get home and watch it again. You guys are coming over and I'm going to just like <laughs> talk all the backstory on. Now that guy's knife. Is I'd love to see it in theaters too. Dude. I know that they, However, did you also see the part where they pushed it back to like the fall of 21? Oh, no. Yeah. Mm. 
So Jason Momoa will be at the premiere with like a three foot beard again. Oh wow! So before we get too much into the movies, have you? What do you know about the uh, um, Lord of the Rings show? Have you have you read anything about that recently? I I distinctly remember being in Carl Sandburg College when I first heard about this. Mm-hmm. It's been out like the the rumors have have been around forever. Yeah. So I actually have stopped following it at some point because there's the information is huge. so. Is so spread out and conflicting. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I'll just wait until. Something- yeah. Uh, they a few. This was probably probably a year ago now. They released uh, like the Twitter page or something for that show. Put a map of Middle Earth on, and it was during the Second Age, like some of the locations. Really. So that was one of the things where people were like, are they telling us that it's going to be in the Second Age? That'd be really cool. Um. And uh, there was, uh, but yeah, they're talking about confirmed cast. And I, I, I saw somebody talking about the budget not that long ago because they were talking about it, having to like comparing it to Mando, actually. Because Mando, I think, is between like 10 and 15 million an episode. Wow. And they were saying that uh, the season of, first season of Lord of the Rings was going to be at least 100 grand or 100, 100 million dollars, like 100 million dollars. It sounds weird to even say that, but. One million billion. Yeah. Which is really not that much if you're talking about like ten to fifteen million an episode. Yeah, because the Fellowship of the Ring, the budget or for that one was ninety three million for that movie. Wow. Well, you know, like maybe the whole moving to streaming thing is going to be kind of a silver lining of like shows are just going to be really good. You know, I mean, if if they're well funded, mm-hmm. you know, going to be allow people to put. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you put a good good person at the helm. Really check your check your shit out before you start making it. You know, I I think I'm I'm I've always been on the public as far as hey they're gonna put out you know Phantom Menace I'll be there mm-hmm. you know that's fine mm-hmm. I'll you know, they're gonna put out the new Disney movies that's fine I'll be there I'm gonna enjoy them. I'll admit, I'm starting to get a little mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings yeah. side because, like, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. But why, my wife and I decorated our yeah off of Bilbo's birthday party. Yeah, so I was Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> you were actually. I was more of a took because I I, I let that big firework off. Oh, and you then, did. Yeah, and I literally slipped in the grass <laughs> as I was running away. Oh my <laughs> fell god! Fell on my face god, going dude. up the hill. Yeah. <laughs> I was literally like Mary and Pippin. Uh, I just read here yeah, that, that Hart and Mordor. You were just <laughs> knocking. Uh, this website here, the Independent. I don't know what what that is, but it is saying that the Amazon series Lord of the Rings will have a one billion dollar budget. Oh wow! We are putting our money in the right places. Yeah, I uh, I just hope they don't. You know, it's like. You would think in today's world you couldn't put something out that wasn't great if you have the money, but then you see like Disney decides to do their new trilogy and not write it when they start filming, and you're just like, dude, it's like going yeah. to a, going into the studio and not writing the album before you start recording it or something, and you're just like, when has that ever worked? Like Motorhead. <clears throat> I take back everything I said. <laughs> well, I will say I just listened to a podcast uh, you know, talking about Motorhead. Mm-hmm. And that was one thing with that. That's how they did it, right? They would just get in with a few. They'd have a few riffs, 
they'd get in the studio, they'd start writing stuff, you mm-hmm. know, let me pop off, write. But they really ran into that situation where they were very dependent on the producer. Mm. So Ace of Spades happened to work out really, really well. Mm-hmm. Iron Fist didn't. Mm. You know, so it was kind of, it was, sure. it was more of a gamble. Yeah. You catch my meaning. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if, like, as things went on, uh, like, say, if you look at Bastards or something, like, how could you even walk in a room? Like, how could Lemmy walk in a room with a producer and the producer expect to tell him what to do? Like, if I was the producer, I'd just be like, and Lemmy's like, what do you think of that? And you're like, it's awesome. He's like, what do you think I should do next? Like, what? You're asking me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, th- so I borrowed your book, the, uh-huh. that, that album by album. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was really good, and mm-hmm. it was really interesting because that would that would be a huge problem because mm-hmm. they'd get in a room with somebody, and, and the producer would just be like, "Yeah, sure, cool, all right," you know, yeah. and it wouldn't be that good because you know because like where, where you know the band was coming from mm-hmm. when they did, um, I think it was Bastards. Actually, they were talking about the producer that last producer they worked with, like on all the like last albums. Actually, like Lemmy liked him, mm-hmm. respected him enough to listen. He was willing to stand up to him. Yeah. And so, like, uh, Mickey D got up and wrote, or, you know, like, played a drum track, uh-huh. you know, like, for, like, Death or Glory. Cool. Done. The producer's like, no. You, you know, uh, you're going to, you got to do that again. Uh-huh. That's not, you know, and actually, like, whipped him a little bit. Yeah. And it was cool. You know, that album. I'm sorry. How, so we went from Lord of the Rings to Amazon. We've been bouncing around the show. So, Ooh. but let's get back to, so, uh, the main topic, Michael, that we were going to talk about, mm-hmm. I didn't know. I woke up and it was a surprise to me. Just kidding. Wait, Tanner is a surprise yeah. last-minute guest. Uh-huh. So where do you want to start with Lord of the Rings, Michael? Well, where I'd like to get is World War II. Okay. But I feel <laughs> like we have some prep work to do. Get yeah. There. Um, this much. Maybe you could tell us about... Um, Tolkien writing it in the in the world that he was living in as it was being written first. Maybe a good place to start. Yeah. So, so that you know, um, Tolkien fought in World War One mm-hmm. um, along with C.S. Lewis. So not, cool. Not together, but they were both in the. So, <clears throat> uh, th- that comparison is fairly frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, were they same country? Were they? Yeah, they're both English. Okay. Okay. So Tolkien was born in South Africa. But at okay. The time that was like province. I don't know. Being American, we're on the on the other end of this. So yeah, for British people have a better understanding of relationship to South Africa at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tolkien finished his degree, got married. Was it in some sort of literature or writing? Yes, he started in classics, comparative literature. Mm. Um. Also, fun fact, I actually learned this last night, um, but, you know, he, him and his wife have Aaron and Luke written on their gravestone. Okay. And that's a story from mm. where he, he's a human. Mm-hmm. She's an elf. uses him. Reality. Mm. And that's what Aragorn... The R one, R one. Thank you, man. Yeah. I was. I don't know why I was. I was seeing Liv Tyler's face. 
But Eowyn was the only thing I could think of. I was like, just thinking about that scene where she's standing <laughs> on the moonlight. <laughs> <clears throat> but anyway. <laughs> um, so. Uh, I'd boob. <laughs> So Baron and uh, and Luthien. Uh-huh. So so Aragorn, um, I believe in the books he actually sings part of the Lay of Luthien. Mm. So they are aware that there's this other couple that's kind of went through mm-hmm. previously. So um, get back to Tolkien. So he finishes his degree. Mm-hmm. He gets married. They had met like quite a, quite a, quite earlier before. Not Catholic. Catholic. Okay. I mean, it's a, it's a real big deal in Ireland, but still not to do. Yeah. So, um, one of them was told, you can't see. Uh-huh. I think it was him. Whoever he was living with died fairly early. Father died very early. Told him, don't see her. Mm-hmm. Did. So the day he turned 21, he wrote her a letter and said, Marry me. Wow. She broke off her other engagement. Wow. And married him. Dude. And knowing that he was going to go to the war. Wow. And so basically, they were married for a couple of months. He was going to go to the war, like almost certain death. He had, and I don't remember the uh, British denomination of uh, like battalion. And you know, the wall. <laughs> I did once, but I think I got away with it. <clears throat> uh, Faulty Towers is a great show, in case you haven't seen it. Um, so he went in, and there was his group of 800 guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, went into the Somme, 600 of them. And there was a particular battle where really brutal. They didn't make it to that battle mm-hmm. because he got trench fever. Uh, and so he was just like sitting in the hospital with a fever. What is trench fever now? I don't, I mean, I think it's just what you get when you, like, stand rats, water for, like, Mm -hmm. you just live in it. Kind of reminds me of, like, the guys, stuff guys were getting in Vietnam where their feet were wet. Oh, yeah, yeah. For, like, forever, so they just started having, like, weird, like, piss in the bed and, like, yeah, that was a big Vietnam thing, keeping your feet dry so you didn't start just, like, weirdly pissing the bed. I mean, and that well, and that's a big, big deal because I remember I know smell was a big. Like, they would track people with that in Vietnam. Mm. I think there was actually like some special forces guys would go in and they would, or they would, or if they would, they'd have like protein, uh huh, cake, constipation, so that oh. they they wouldn't ever find mm-hmm. because you're living out in the jungle. Yeah, you can actually see the difference. Sure, you know, they yeah. both smell bad, but yeah, you know you. Can. Yeah, but they're <clears throat> eating totally different things. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, probably healthy. Yeah, <laughs> spices and like cooked food and yeah, yeah. maybe. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know how they're eating, but uh, so that gets you back to him being in the trenches, then, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he. He had worked on language, kind mm-hmm. of made some. Gets trench fever, and he's 
Mm-hmm. So he's in bed for quite a while. He starts writing Silmarillion. Mm-hmm. So I'm writing down some of these. So that's written first. Yeah. Okay. It kind of, kind of fleshed out. And then he gets back to England and he's telling the story to his kids about this hobbit mm-hmm. around and fights dragons. Yeah. All this stuff. Uh, one of his kids' friends hears it. His kids' friend gets back to a publisher. They put huge success. <clears throat> this is the, the Silmarillion? The, huge success? the Hobbit. I got Hobbit. Okay. Uh, Silmarillion doesn't come out quite a bit later. Okay. Um, I don't believe the 70s. Um, John, can you get a date on the published date of the Fellowship of the Ring? Um, also, 1992. <laughs> <clears throat> no, but I think The Hobbit's like in the 30s. Okay. And the Fellowship's not till like the 50s. Oh. So it's, it's, it's 17 years. 1954, June 29th. Okay. For some reason, I thought of it as earlier than that. I don't know. Why. And what's the Silmarillion? Um, also, Shilb Antiquarium uh-huh. has a first edition copy of this. Whoa. Only $400. So if you and John... Kind of surprised it's not more. I, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so if you and John wanted to go in on a Christmas. What would you do with it even? Would you look at it? Would you open I, I would, it? I would never look at it. I would never <laughs> deign to like soil it with my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> um. <clears throat> So the Lord of the Rings comes out, mm-hmm. and you know, it is... And The Hobbit had already been really successful. Yes, yes. So there are elements of uh, World War I, uh-huh. you know, commonly the marshes, the dead marshes, mm-hmm. where there's just this plain of rot and yeah. people, and like permanently ruined, mm-hmm. and that's what he... Yeah. In the trenches. Uh, do you think the um, sort of growth from Hobbit to Fellowship of the Ring was a choice because he wanted the Hobbit to be accessible for kids and then Lord of the Rings was for adults, kind of like creating, you know, like that was like those kids grew up and now they get this adult story? Do you think he had grown as a writer to that point to where the Fellowship was just that much more uh, complex and dynamic? I don't believe that they were necessarily intended to be even. I wow. think everything in his mind was kind of in the same universe. Mm-hmm. But so we're the one who he, has to canonize everything. Well, I mean, he he decided they were in the same. He, okay. he made yeah. the ring. You know, it's like that. But I I don't think when he was, you know, when he. I don't believe there's, and and I'm sure that if you you know, Tolkien scholar, mm-hmm. you know, correct this. But when Bilbo finds this magic ring. It's just a magic ring. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. the the weapon of Sauron, you know? Yeah. Probably would have done more than just make him invisible if, he, if he'd been... Yeah, and, and so he... Had the foreskin to see that ahead of time. He, uh... <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Uh, so... Uh, yeah. Um, so can you explain... Michael, I'm looking at... Uh, Publishing dates for Tolkien and yeah. yep. The Hobbit is in 1937. Uh, the Cimmerillion is in 77. So, okay. what are all these other books <laughs> like? Uh, well, see, The Fellowship of the Ring. When did he put out Holes, starring Shia LaBeouf? 
<laughs> uh, what, what are the... Re, re, we have the appendices. Yeah. Which is what? Well, that's actually just the appendix. It just says the... Okay, I don't, I don't understand any of this. Like, I'm not seeing... I've, I've, so I'm a real it, are, you, are, you, are you seeing, like, Book of Lost Tales? I'm seeing The Tale of Aragorn <clears throat> and Arwen, Adventures of Tom Bombadil. Mm-hmm. What? Leaf by Niggle. Is it like a Lego one? Bilbo's last song. <laughs> Adventures of Tom Bombadil. How come that one never comes up? It's like a Lego one. Yeah. yeah. So he wrote a lot. Most, okay. most of everything else that has come out has been, like Leaf by Niggle was published just by him. Mm-hmm. Um, which is an interesting uh, comment on his way of doing art. Because a lot of people, you know, will draw a tree. Mm-hmm. And then they'll go back and they'll kind of start telling little lines that look like leaves. He was very like, oh, hmm. another leaf. Leaf here. Drawing leaves. And he just draws leaves. And then eventually, he's just like, oh, I got a lot of leaves. I got like a tree. It's a tree. You know? And, he, and he just starts, because, but that's how he starts. He starts with, here's, here's a word. Here's a grammatical structure to add onto that word, and here's a, here's a sentence. Oh, I have a, I'm working on a language, so here's who speaks this language. I need a people. Hmm. I, need, I need a place for these people. And, you know, and then he kind of starts building, then he has this world, and, you know, and so it builds out from like a word. Wow. So to... Uh, um... Oh, I'm sorry. I, I get it. I see it now. I, I didn't have it in chronological order. <laughs> okay. It... So Fellowship of the Ring, 1954. Uh, Return of the King, 1955. Got it. Sorry. Um, Sorry for that. So the Cimmerillion, basically, like, the world was done, for the most part. Like, the history of the world was done when The Hobbit came out. Yeah. Well, yeah, and he, like he said, he didn't publish that until the 77, but when you read The Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. I, I think the term he uses is, like, the dust of history on everything. It's like, oh. you, you just feel that that world is really old. Yeah. And Which so, is nice. It's really cool. It is. It is. And so you, you, you get this feeling that when you're in... You know, when they're going from, you know, the Shire mm-hmm. to Bree, there used to be a kingdom of men mm-hmm. that lived there that was like Gondor. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there was a whole civilization up there. Yeah. And it's just gone. And so yeah. Weathertop was just one of their towers, you know? Yeah. Like that tower you put, and when you're on the Age of Empires, you just put that one tower out there just so you can see something coming. Yeah. That was Weathertop. Yeah, it's so cool. Like, I felt that even, I feel like... um um, Peter Jackson did such a good job with that stuff when we would see it, um, like things just felt ancient. Like I remember even thinking like, you know, um, you know, at the end of the movie fellowship where, um, it's right as like, um, when Aragorn is sort of challenged and he's basically tells Frodo to go right before the Uruk show up. Yes. And they're on that little weird, like. It's basically a patio with mm-hmm. stairs up to another level of patio. And I remember yeah. just being like, like, what was that even? Like, that was probably yeah. hey, something. John, can you look up Amondine? A-M-O-N space D-I-N? I think, yeah, again, I think that was like another, like, from a civilization before. Yeah. That was out. Everything feels so old, so cool. Yeah. And it is it is interesting when you go to those places and you th- even the characters maybe don't know what they are because mm-hmm. you, know, you get that with in Greece they have the Cyclopean walls that are so big. You know you think back to oh well the Greeks, 
mm-hmm. did lots of things. It's like the Greeks didn't even know what they were. The so. Greeks were like, these are huge. They're perfectly milled. Like a human cannot lift these stones. We obviously it was Cyclops, but yeah, yeah. it was like ancient aliens back mm-hmm. in in Greece. But what is it you want to know about it? Uh, just was that the Watchtower? Yes. Where it was. Uh, or you mean like it says uh, that on Wikipedia that <laughs> which may be why it's the wrong information. <laughs> Was uh, the first and perhaps the oldest of the seven warning beacons of Gondor? Were you, were you thinking? Were you talking about Weathertop? Oh, uh, no. Okay, I'm not talking about Weathertop. I was wrong, Amandine. I don't know why that was. Yeah, when you said the beacon of Gondor, I guess the beacon Dean or Lynn. I don't know. Somebody comment comments about what that place. I know it's a, and I'm. I don't have actually because that actually happens. That scene actually happens at the beginning. They just put it on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They put it at the end of Fellowship, so there would actually be a little action. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Like, I actually read them after the movies came out and being like, wait a minute. Yeah, it's a real, uh, real dreary start to Two Towers. Have an old Boromir. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I I'm sorry, I can't find. I really okay. I like how everything you can kind of assume everything Elvish made is probably really old too. Every time it's like, oh, this was made yeah. by the elves, you're like, oh fuck, that's probably a thousand years old. Yeah, easy. Legolas is. Yeah, it's interesting when you see Star Wars try to do that because they'll do it with like machinery, and you're like, machinery just doesn't last that long. You know, they'll be doing it with, like, um, like the sand crawlers. Yeah. Well, I could also make the argument yeah. that in Arizona, things don't rust. <clears throat> that is true. Whoa. Uh, yeah, so, but for some reason with, like, a pe- like a sword or a piece of stone, maybe just because we've actually seen that, maybe that's why it's hard for my brain to, like, we don't have machinery left around from a thousand years ago like we do swords, yeah. you know? Which I'll say, when you, you know, go to Europe, that's a thing that's really, you know, Mm-hmm. Strikes you because you know we see a house that's built in eighteen. Wow, that's yeah. so old. How yeah. is it to heat this thing? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you know what I'm saying. Like that's always like yeah. where people go is like, wow, uh, cooling this thing in the winter must be uh, easy to cool it in the winter. Yeah, uh, it's hard to. In a thousand years, we're gonna be like finding those old pizza huts with the, <laughs> with, the with the brick walls with like the green glass thingies and, and with the red plastic cups and be like. Many men died here. <laughs> this was a feasting hall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, feasting but, hall. <laughs> we will be McFeasting in the halls of Allah. <laughs> McFeasting. <laughs> um, but, you know, when, when you go to... Um, so my brother married a gal from De- Denmark. Festival in Poland. We're able to stay with her family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like, we, you know, they come over here and they're like, Oh, we're going to go see the Mississippi. That's the big river. We're going, mm-hmm. yeah, let's go see the Mississippi. And it's like, okay. Buddy, and it's milk. But like, you know, I mean, it's Mississippi. You go around it. Mm-hmm. You grow up around it like, you know, yeah. like we did. And it's cool. You know, mm-hmm. I learned to water ski on it. Yeah. Looks like chocolate milk. <laughs> chocolate milk river. Right. But like, they're just totally blown away by it. Yeah. It's like world huh. famous. Interesting. And we go over there and they're like, oh, I go see the castle. And we're like, 
you have a castle? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, it was built in like, you know, 750. We're like, 750. What? I remember, I remember walking down the street in England with you and, yeah. or in London and, and being, uh, thinking about the bricks that Dude. were under our feet. Um, we're like, yeah, we're there and probably old and worn when George Washington was still like, during the War of the Georges. Yes. This would have been the this would have been the part where Brad where he had talks to go about back the, across the Potomac to get his mask. <laughs> this would have been the part where Brad talks about the bricks in Hawaii if he'd Oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Good story. R.I.P. Yeah. Um Yeah, so he never would have made it past the rats. <laughs> but the uh so so you know, you, you get those castles in Europe that are mm-hmm. like There's a Griswold castle from my mom's dude, main side somewhere. You should go claim it. I've tried to find it. Like online, you should just like go back and be like, I'm claiming this for my ancestors. Yeah, it's probably a piece of shit castle, and one <laughs> my ancestors. <laughs> well, it's like really dirty, and then there's like, here's the Green family also lived here, and they kept everything clean. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Your ancestors both lived at the same. Be place. like you finding the the cook guy from Monmouth, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, so, so basically one of the things that you and I have talked about is, um, how Tolkien is writing this basically with World War One in mind, right? Yes. yes. And it's interesting to kind of think, and I just thought about, I don't know, you know, I haven't thought too deep into it about the idea that, um, really all that stuff that we see with Sauron's first coming almost could be like World War One, and then the yeah. next half could be yeah. World War Two, and he didn't even realize he was necessarily writing it yet. Yeah. I, I think got the a... thing with the defeat and... Gosh, you guys can only see what John was looking at. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's a really good point. You know, there, mm-hmm. there is that... Uh... So one thing that you, you've brought up, which I always mm-hmm. thought was really interesting, the, the stark good and evil... In Lord of the Rings, yeah, which yeah, yeah. does not really exist in World War One. If you have that, you mm-hmm. know, and if you, you know, if you don't study World War One, you know, the, the Nazis weren't around. A guy didn't have a sandwich. Got the, you know, Franz Ferdinand. The yeah, and like and they like, then, and they sent somebody to tell him not to, and he didn't make it in time or something. Yeah, weird. It's like, and like he he went in to get a sandwich, and the guy couldn't <laughs> find him, and so like there was this weird like passing in the night, and five dollar. So long. like a Serbian terrorist kills the. I forgot who, who are John. I, this is like one oh one information. I got to know Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Uh, Gavrilo Princip was a Serbian, the black hand, right? And then Archduke was the what? What country is he from? Uh, he was where he was born. W- where was he, Prince of? <laughs> Come on, John. Come on, John. Come on. <clears throat> This is 101, so really, I mean, it's my fault here. Uh, uh, um, Austria, Hungary. Okay. So, hence the sandwich. Mm-hmm. But um, And it's like, here's another one just hit me. Uh, Saruman is almost like one of the Nazi like doctors, like splicing whoa. people together yeah. for Sauron. Yeah. Trying to figure out new ways to like create super soldiers. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's an interesting Which is a World War II thing. Yeah. You know? Okay, so let's, let's make that transition because... Mm-hmm. Um, Tolkien apparently, I, and I've not read these, but Tolkien talked <clears throat> apparently when he first got there. Well, we're good. The Bosch is evil. Germans are not good. 
we're good, they're bad. And eventually, mm-hmm. it was like, good and bad on both sides. Mm-hmm. This is just a bad situation. Mm-hmm. You know, but like he kind of became aware by the end of the war. Sauron's like, you know, we, we all, we're all a little wrong here. I mean, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. But, so, I mean, World War I was just like, you know, the Serbians uh, killed the crown prince. They're at war. But then they've got an ally. Like, well, we're at war with you. And then somebody else's ally is like, well, we're at war with you. And so then all of a sudden, within a matter of like what, a week or two, the entire entirety of Europe was at war with each other. Mm-hmm. This sucks. Mm-hmm. You know? And- I think, uh, you know, another way to maybe even, for some reason, World War One always feels fairly modern to me. But when you think about the fact that like the golden era age of like the cowboy, when you had like cartridged ammunition like you know that post-civil war pre-1900s thing all those guys could have served in world war one is how close that is to like how how hard information was to get around so you know it's not like it was like whoa 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 whoa," like we could today you know oh yeah yeah you know cool because when you want to tell um gavrilla prince up don't kill the archduke yeah you got to send a guy to find him yeah yeah you know step in for a sandwich world war one happened like Mm -hmm. sucks but, you know, um, it would be feasibly possible for somebody at the OK Corral mm-hmm. to then go serve. Yeah. Yeah. That's know. the timeline. That's how quick. Yeah. Which is so crazy to me. Um, it, everything really ramps up. Because, uh-huh. um, I mean, at the beginning of the World War, you do have, like, the French are putting cavalry in. Mm-hmm. They've got... World War One's 1917, right? The first uh, year? 14. 14, okay, okay. 14 to 18. Gotcha. And so we got in as okay. We we gotcha. were, we were late bloomers. Um. So, the the French though, I mean, they were they had men on horses with armored breastplates, mm-hmm. spears, helmets, and it was like, yes, this is ceremonial, but also they were expected to fill a function. Mm-hmm. Happened and everything changes. Yeah, you know, machine guns and uh, shrapnel from shells. You know, because the you know when that that um, when the artillery happens, you know, it's not a, a single bomb getting lobbed and then hits the ground and explodes. You know that's exploding in the air. It's basically a shotgun mm-hmm. of tiny metal down. So that's why helmets are a thing. Mm-hmm. You're not actually protecting your bullet head. You're protecting yourself from shrapnel from above. Mm-hmm. And so the concept but somebody played the sound of a ring rate said, well this is you know what Tolkien describes the ring rate that really high shriek mm-hmm. said here's the sound artillery shell wow. and it was like oh my gosh that you know and it describes mm-hmm. fear yeah. and so that then then they went into shell shock and i'm sorry this is just a youtube video but if you type in lord of the rings world war one it'll probably come up just watch them all um but they also talk about like Frodo getting shell shock. Uh huh. Yeah. PTSD with never gets better. Yeah. You know, he, he's always. Oh, yeah. He gives corners. him sort of the physical wound to sort of represent him. But yeah. Yeah. But then there's always that thing where on the day, you know, the day to the year, year to the day, after that wound, he always feels, you know, it's like it, it's, it's emotional, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like he can't live. Guy or anymore, he just can't. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, that's cool. There are one one of the things that happened in World War One was there was like a, a transition. People were really positive about human progress, mm-hmm. you know, and then it just they saw what happened in four years. Whole everything changed, and there was. Uh, I could read a poem. Uh, I don't really want to read a poem, but. If you pick up any compilation, there's like bookmark. So hard. Okay. So the first, this is uh, "Men Who March Away," uh, by uh, edited by Ian Parsons. The first one is called "The Trumpet," you know, and it's "Rise up, rise up, and the trumpet blowing chases the dreams of men and dawn glowing, and the stars left." You know, it's awesome. Uh huh. Cool. Everything's good. You get to like halfway through, and then you get to. And we're talking from the beginning of World War One to the end of it is kind of the yeah the yeah. tone change. And, okay. and so that's the that was the trumpet by Edward Thomas, mm-hmm. and then um, you get Wilfred Owens, stabled. He sat in a wheeled chair, dark, shivered in a ghastly state of group, legless, stone short at the elbow. Legolas. You know, legless. <laughs> uh, it's actually legless, but uh, yeah. So you know, it's like now. Now they're talking about a guy who's got no limbs. Yeah, and he's sitting there, got nothing to do except watch the people that he protected go out and have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's really depressing. So, okay, you wanted to take this back to World War Two, right? So, uh, uh, just to I think to maybe even like almost the the testament of Tolkien seeing knowing how things can go and then seeing that it did go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so he, he saw that World War I was fairly good versus evil, mm-hmm. but he did have good versus evil mm-hmm. in The Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Elf, orcs were bad. Mm-hmm. Elves were good. Mm-hmm. But that is kind of how it played out in World War II. It's mm-hmm. like you do have a guy who wants to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. People that want to stop him from doing that. Like yeah. That's about as good and evil as it gets. On a uh, subplot from our topic, um, so what's the elf's name from The Hobbit? The king? The, oh, Thranduil? Yeah. So um, is his, um, is he Legolas's dad? Yes. Okay. So it's not like his lineage of elves are dicks. He's just a dick. Right. Yes. Okay. Because I've always been like, is am I supposed to believe that, um, you know, Glandriel is just sort of like ethereal, and then the reason that um, uh, can't th- I can't think of Rivendell's Ar- Arwen's dad, Hugo Weaving. Yeah. Mister El- Anderson. Elrond. Elrond. Yeah. Because he's he's actually half human, right? Doesn't he have some sort of like half lineage? Yeah. So um. He is descendant of Baron and Luthien. Uh, can you look uh, up Elrond? I believe he is like the grandson of them. If I'm recalling my family trees, which just shows you how lo- like how old things are. Yeah, that there's the story. Mm-hmm. Wait. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh yeah, that's my. Yeah, you know, because the elf doesn't die unless killed in Lord of the Rings, right? Yes. Yeah, which uh, is why it's such a big deal. For Eowyn to stay. Uh-huh. Jeez. Yeah. Sorry. I know. I, I, I think I, when I learned of that, I was surprised that 
Elrond was not a little more supportive of it, but maybe I thought also maybe he's just a little closer to the pain that it can yeah. give, you know, rather than just be like, well, why not? I don't know. Try it. He's like, knows what'll happen, you know? Um, so what? So, so you, you have Elrond there? Mm-hmm. Okay, so who's his father? Uh, Aaron... Arindi. Okay. Elwin. I believe those are. Who's that go back to? Uh. Couldn't have used a uh, a brighter font for weirder <laughs> names. Uh. Well, I don't even know how to say any of these. Do you uh? Do you, do you see Baron or Luthien anywhere in there? Yes, on okay. yeah, that would be, he's that's, definitely connected to them about okay. two generations back. Okay, two generations. So, but still, that's like that dust of history that mm-hmm. Tolkien was. He is like correct descent. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry to derail you. I was just curious if the um, elves being good was the one we're really close to, and his daughter are they because they're like half human? Was why they were like a little more. Um, relatable, I guess, characters, you know. So, and I think I think that does bring it up an interesting point about. Right, uh, it does bring up an interesting about what is good, mm. because the elves, dwarves are kind of old war with, mm-hmm. which is if you know you, you know story, it's very obviously elves just sure you know because yeah. they they give the gems to dwarves and say here will you fashion these sure and. Uh, all right, so you pay us. No, the honor of working with these gems should be enough. Mm-hmm. Or keep them. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that has been a huge, mm-hmm. you know, which is why Legolas and Gimli's friendship is such a big deal. Yeah, you yeah. Know, which, you know, huge. One of the cooler parts, I feel like dynamics of anybody in the story yeah. too. Yeah. Um. So, sorry, but yeah, there's good and bad races. Yeah. So, sorry, you can get back on there. Yeah. So, um, but you then you in, uh, so I th- there's something about that kind of foretells. I, I feel like uh-huh. uh, World War Two. Obviously, it comes out after World War Two. Yeah. But his his setup for it is before. So I you know mm-hmm. I I think it would be interesting. I don't know if there's a maybe a Tolkien scholar out there that's actually worked with two mm-hmm. on this. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of just wild too, that we would, you know, I feel like it's probably more of his, um, his background in literature that led him to a good and a bad in the story. It's more of like a Shakespearean derivative, yeah. like, and rather than like, that's how the war was, you know, it's like, that's, this is how you tell stories, like good stories, there's good and bad. And it's maybe just a fluke that we have like a war where it's so kind of definitive too with world war two, you yeah. know, like, I don't know. Has it ever been that definitive? Yeah. I mean, I like in history ever where it's like, obviously people minding their own business and like someone deciding he's going to melt a, a genre of person he doesn't like, you know? <laughs> and then everybody else yeah. like sort of, yeah, I know there's more to it than that, but, it's definitely like you can be like, well, these these people yeah. are bad. Oh yeah, you know, it's not just like 
conquering for the sake of that's what you did back in the day. Yeah. I like your use of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't think, I don't think you can get more clear cut than it's like, well, that's bad. Yeah. You know, that's bad. And we're, we got to stop it. And, you know, and I think, I think that really, like, even with the Mongols, you know, you're probably like, well, it's probably based out of like, um, you know, running like resources and like, it's not like necessarily the people they're fighting are good people and they're bad people. It's just taking and, yeah, you know, and the, you know, you, you think about the effect that that would have on somebody after the war, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you go into the war, World War One, say you get your legs blown off and you see your buddy get completely vaporized. Mm-hmm. And you go back home, live and legs, and mm-hmm. just live the rest of your life. And, of know and have an ever dawning you know, more sense that that war didn't happen. Yeah, you know, and you're referring to World War One or two. Yeah, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's yeah. like so you're like, yeah, hey, my buddy got vaporized. I lost my legs. I was 18. Mm-hmm. You know that that would be really hard to live with. Yeah, you know, and World War Two. You go in. There's this fascist dictator who's like trying to terminate people. Mm-hmm. It's like no, we have to stop him. It's actually worth dying for. Exactly. You know? So your buddy gets vaporized. You lose your legs at eighteen. Mm-hmm. Back home, you live the rest of your life. You know, with that burden. Mm-hmm. But you've got a reason. You know, you did the right thing. Yeah, it's like that. That mm-hmm. kind of. I'm. I'm sure that has to have an effect mm-hmm. in some Absolutely. way. Yeah. And I, you know, and I'm not going to be like, well, say that I know, but like it. Mm-hmm. Well, if you even I don't put know, it on, a, you know. If you put it on a really basic fundamental thing, like when you do something that you know it was right or that needed to be done, you feel yeah. a lot better than if you know you got kind of had. Yeah. You know? So, But you made all the sacrifice. Yeah. Um, on a quick aside, French. Mm-hmm. I believe that revolution. Okay. When Pershing went over by the way, shout out for Missouri, Lickleed, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, Pershing days. Yeah. Oh. Um, there was another fellow who went, I actually, I believe, made this. They went in Lafayette's grave. Speech given. Mm-hmm. And it ended Lafayette, we are here. There was that moment where it was like, hey, you helped us out, we're coming to help. Mm-hmm. That is really cool. Um, so I can't wait to go to France for the first time. Yeah. They're probably gonna be confused. Anyway, um, so you had mentioned something about like stories is how you write stories with good and evil and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite quote of all time is uh when the writers of Rohan surround uh-huh. the 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 three hunters uh-huh. and they're talking to Aylmer. Two towers, right? Yeah, okay. right, right at the beginning here. And Hobbit said, Aylmer, and what may they be? It's a strange name, strange name for strange folks, says Gimli. You know, and then uh, and he says, yeah, well, you, you probably know them as halflings. And then halflings, laughed the writer that stood beside Aylmer. Halflings, but they are only a little people in old songs and children's tales out of the north. We walk in legends or on the green earth in the daylight. And then Aragorn jumps in with just the bomb here. A man may do both, said Aragorn. 
for not we but those who come after will make the legends of our time. The green earth, say you? That is a mighty matter of legend, that you tread under it, that you tread it under the light of day. And I just thought that was just, yeah, like, it gives me goosebumps every time, because it just takes this whole idea of the legend and myth, and it's like, no, that's happening right now. Yeah. And every myth you ever read, it's happening on on earth. Mm -hmm. The earth is there. The nature is there. Yeah, that's, I feel a little goosebumpy from it. Dude. I feel like, too, when you think about, you know, when he was may have when he was coming you know it's like when they were there the idea that like there may be a green earth yeah could be a legend from the the trenches they were in you know like it essentially was a legend to them at that point yeah i mean you wouldn't see green for miles most of them never got to go back yeah so for them it was gone you know and uh an odd twist to that whole thing is when you have that many men i mean millions of men Uh dying and rotting there on the battlefield um, I have I have never been, but anybody who who will tell you that the grass there that grows now is like startlingly green, huh. because it has just been so well fertilized. Yeah, with the dead. Mm. Weird. So, uh, Tolkien was friends with C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. and they were you know back and forth. And Lewis was one of the reasons that Lord of the Rings got published. Mm-hmm after The Hobbit, because, you know, it was this long, laborious process, and mm-hmm. Tolkien typed on a typewriter with two fingers, you know, and really, wow. really just pecked it. And I think the manuscript, single page, as they said, was like feet tall page. Wow. Um, Lewis was a huge supporter uh-huh. of his, and really pushed him to keep working on it, to keep reading it, and it's always really sad because Tolkien didn't like The Chronicles of Narnia. And was really like, I, I don't think uh, put them down, but didn't support them in the same way. Yeah. And granted, they are different stories. They're like completely different mm-hmm. kinds of stories, even. Yeah. So, um, um, what was C.S. Lewis's uh, religious background? Because his story is a lot more based in like religion, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, so Tolkien grew up Protestant, converted to Catholicism. I I don't know that you, but like he was still mm-hmm. a kid. His yeah. mom had converted, so he had he had basically then just been Catholic, mm-hmm. but always Christian in some regard. Mm-hmm. Um, Lewis was an avowed atheist. For, it's so wild that their stories would be like, yeah, you know, and and he, for years and was very you know extremely well educated. Was um, you know he wrote some poems in around his time. All the name of the book, um, but it's it's very good. Um, John, could you find C.S. Lewis's? Uh, if you type in C.S. Lewis, Satan speaks. Um, it sounds brutal. It, well, um, <laughs> actually, if you listen to "Holy Despair" by Hill that I've won, oh. it's the uh, one of the last tracks is we just used those lyrics. Oh, wow, that's cool. What's the book called that that's from? Spirits in Bondage, 1919. Yeah. So right after World War One, that comes out. Oh, so he's writing quite a bit before Tolkien then, too, if he's doing 1919. Mm-hmm. He never had the, he never quite had, uh, he always wanted to be a poet, but it didn't quite work out, but his mm-hmm. fiction did really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had more consistent success. He, would, he, he was definitely the Merle Haggard, while mm-hmm. Tolkien was the Johnny Cash. I gotcha. Um, so 
Lewis, though, did eventually become a Christian, and it was he, he always described himself as the most reluctant convert. Mm. There was these these moments where he would he, he was because he was very rational. His his tutor he had a private tutor for many years, and he, his tutor was said, "I'm going to teach you Greek so well, you're going to like dream Greek." Wow. He said he would. He would have dreams, and everything would be in Greek. Wow. And um, he was very well educated, very rational, mm-hmm. very staunch atheist. And there, you know, if you read uh, "Surprised by Joy," he describes his slow um, giving in. Mm-hmm. He describes it like that. He wasn't seeking. He felt like he describes it as if God was hounding. Wow. And uh, and then my favorite bit of that whole thing is such an astute knowledge. Uh-huh. Yeah, lettered man and yeah. British, and he was apparently quite a quite a drinker as well. When he uh, when he would do Lent, you know, people give things up. He he would you know, well, I won't drink so much. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> but he's also really he was also really big, which of course, considering the like, phys- like physically big, yeah. But you know, maybe he's like Coulter Wall big, so maybe he's really tiny. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so when you say like tall or like a heavy set like guy, both. Okay, I mean like real thick. Gotcha. Not not overweight necessarily, mm-hmm. but you know, so he could handle a lot. You think um, Hagrid is based off of him? <laughs> but he uh, he describes that his conversion experiences. He was uh, he he had a, a motorcycle, uh-huh. and he had a sidecar. And I don't remember if he was driving the motorcycle or if he was in the sidecar. I think his brother was driving the motorcycle, and he was uh-huh. in the sidecar. <laughs> and they were going to the zoo. <laughs> okay. And, and, <laughs> Is this on, one of the Lego Narnia movies? <laughs> they on holiday. Yeah, <laughs> but but he said he was like, well, I I started that uh, trip, and I you know, and I I was just what I was, and by the time I got to the zoo, I believed in Jesus Christ, and it, hmm. it was just like, and then we went and saw the animals, you know, <laughs> and it also it just it makes me happy to think of like just uh, you know two brothers, adult grown professional yeah. men, just like let's go see the animals, yeah. you know, that makes me happy. Was uh, Narnia written as an atheist or a Christian? As a Christian, and mm-hmm. and he will he will he, he defended as far as I know till till his dying day that that was not an allegory for Christianity. He was not trying to say, "Let me just dress up Christianity in animals." Mm-hmm. You know, he was just I just wanted. Well, he did. He kind of did the same thing to start that Tolkien did with the Hobbit. You know, because mm-hmm. Tolkien wrote in you know in Holograph in the Hole Underground lived up there lived a Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Well. What's a hobbit, and why does it live in a hole? Mm-hmm. You know, and he saw the, the fawn, Mister Tumnus, Tumnus from *The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*. Mm-hmm. So he saw the lamppost in the middle of the wood, Mister Tumnus carrying packages, umbrella, and snow. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Where's that? You know, and then kind of started to build the story around that. Mm. Um, he was very much a different writer. He would, you know. When you know he would write the other Narnia books, though he would just like sit down and boom, he would just write it, hmm. you know, and then he would like maybe take another pass and hand it to the editor, and you know, interesting, you know, he'd write and have a book published in here, you know, mm-hmm. Tolkien would take seventeen, you know, just yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, obviously his effect on fantasy, you can all that time. It's almost like you know he laid out all that time, the groundwork for. Thousands of writers, if not oh, yeah. millions, after him, you know. Whereas, like, yeah, and and I think, um, I mean, every every fantasy writer, of course, you know, just bows before Lord of the Rings. Sure, but um, J.K. Rowling really said that Narnia was a huge influence. Yeah, you know, and of course, there's seven Narnia books. Or seven yeah, and the I feel like that world is not as uh, like you don't know everything about the world in Harry Potter. 
Yeah. You know, like like if they just popped up, I feel like if there was another school, we'd be like, oh, there's another one? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's interesting. That never came up before. Yeah. But, you know, that's cool. Let's go. <laughs> Why not? Where's, yeah. my, where's my letter? Yeah. I think my letter got lost in the mail. Uh, so one of the things I've always thought is kind of interesting about the Tolkien story is that there doesn't, to me, which I, maybe I just haven't thought about it enough, be a really obvious story of redemption in there. Mm, yeah. Which we've talked about a few times. And I know that the storytelling part is maybe not as, like Tolkien's strong suit is the world building. Yeah. And is there um, a reason, you know, that the redemption thing is not a big part of it? Yeah. Or is it just the, it just didn't come up, you know, the... Yeah, so you have a specific example that you uh, explain that. Um, so, and there's another one I was thinking about as I was, you were talking um, about something you said earlier, that is, you almost, you could have even given Smeagol redemption, mm-hmm. but they didn't. Like, even at the very end, his addiction, he didn't, it did not allow him to come back. Yeah, and Gandalf kind of sets it up for, you know, we don't know his part that he will play. Yeah. You could argue that that was his redemption, that he kept, mm. you know, because without, because Sam probably wouldn't have been able to mm-hmm. fight Frodo. Yeah. So maybe the fact that he was there to fight Frodo yeah. was the uh, redemption. Yeah. But it is a very gray. It's a weird, like, unconscious, like, you, yeah. you know, I feel like uh, from him being someone who is religious, feel like redemption a lot of times is for the individual who gets it, too. Not just everybody, mm. not just yeah. their story around them and everybody else. It's for their own heart, too. Yeah, because Miguel dies. Yeah, and yeah. he doesn't get a, like, <sighs> yeah, he dies, like, being an addict. Yeah, that, that's, that's an interesting point. And yeah. especially in a story of right and wrong and good and evil, mm-hmm. you wouldn't expect that to be such a gray area. Yeah. You know, because redemption is what, that, what it's all about. Yeah. You wouldn't expect the whole point of it to be, yeah. And and he is not a bad. He was not a bad person. He's an addict. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know he's he's addicted to heroin. Yeah, basically, you know. So the corruption is an interesting thing to consider with that, um, because you have the good and evil, uh-huh. and that's not really debated. And maybe maybe that's a different way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Because um, if I could just pop back to mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis for a mm-hmm. second. He did some talks during World War II that were supposed to be like radio broad. They were you know, they were radio broadcasts, and they were of a religious nature. And they eventually became the book Mere Christianity, um, <clears throat> like Mirror Christianity or uh, like mirror. mirrors and oh okay, okay like okay. simply because because gotcha. the idea was you know well we're gonna have somebody on the radio talking about Christianity mm-hmm. and it's the forties and even at that time Britain was like well we don't really want to offend anybody mm-hmm. any of Catholics and Anglicans. Yeah, sure. So and he so he was like, all right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something, you know, like I'm not gonna talk about Mary because only Catholics and Orthodox are into her. I'm not gonna talk about Pippin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna talk about um, you know, speaking in tongues because that's something that only evangelical, you know, a certain set of evangelicals are really into. So uh-huh. we're gonna just talk about mere Christianity for everybody, so we can kind of. Mm-hmm on that so he starts off the book with um 
talking about these remarks about, uh, well, um, and he kind of used these as like quotes, uh, how would you like it if anyone did the same thing to you? That's my seat. I was there first. Leave him alone. He isn't doing you any. Give me a bit of your orange. I gave you a bit of mine. And, you know, come on, you promise. So there's like these little quotes about people mm -hmm. expecting. Well, you said you'd do this. Or... So, um, so he says, you know, now what interests me about all these remarks is that the man who makes them is not merely saying that the other man's behavior does not happen to please him. He is appealing to some kind of standard behavior which he expects other men to know about. Mm, a man with a code. He has a code. So and the other man very seldom replies, to hell with your standard. He nearly always tries to make out that what he has been doing does not really go against the standard or that there's some kind of special excuse. Mm. So I think that's always a really interesting, mm -hmm. you know, um, situation, especially if you, you know, you drive and somebody cuts you off. Mm -hmm. You're like, wow, they are a terrible driver. Yeah. 100% of the time, they're a bad driver. Yeah. You know, and then of course you're in the car and somebody, you, you know, if you're riding with somebody, they cut somebody off. It's like, oops, I don't yeah. normally do that. Uh -huh. You know, and it's like, okay. Yeah. But nobody questioned the fact that there's a standard that you should drive well. Yeah. You know, sure. it's very rare that you see somebody that goes, you know, oh, I do what I want, the rest of you can go to hell. Yeah. And when you do, we call that person a psychopath. Yeah. Or sociopath. Uh, socio. Either, either one, it's a path. It's not good. There's a special category. The words are the same definition. I remember this. Whoa. Yeah. Twisted psychopath? Yeah, twisted psychopath. Psych, psych, psychopath? It's, uh, it's just basically like if you're looking at it from nature or nurture. Oh. Those, yeah, they got one of those in Rocheport, right? <laughs> the, the twisted psychopath? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so, but you know, so it's it's when when somebody says no, I don't have, you know, I'm not, I don't care about your standard. Mm -hmm. We say, well, you you you're a special category of something we have labeled, and we're going to put you over here. Mm -hmm. You know, so the idea then is there is a standard, mm -hmm. and he talks later then about, you know, there are universal standards as far as like can't kill people, can't. Uh, now there are of course variations as far as. Maybe you can kill someone if it's revenge. Mm -hmm. Some some places, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you can kill somebody for revenge in our society, but you have to have the state do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it has to be, you know, judicial punishment. Mm -hmm. You can't just go kill somebody. Mm -hmm. You can kill somebody if you can prove they're trying to kill you. Mm -hmm. You know, so there there are exceptions, but nobody believes you should just be able to kill anybody. Do you remember, uh, like, when you were little, questioning that the first time? I have a very vivid memory of like um asking my mom when I was like uh I don't know maybe 5 to 7 okay like if soldiers get to go to heaven oh yeah and uh and if they do who has to go to hell for the bad yeah or the death the murder yeah or the, the kill you know you mean, so you're saying that somebody has to take, I had, take the punishment? Like in my mind, somebody had to have the punishment. And it was maybe, was it the person that told them to do it? Or was it like, because it's the state, no one is responsible? Uh-huh. Whoa. Tanner's questions. Debunked. Yeah. <laughs> Debunked. Rebunked. Um, that's a good point. That is. So, uh, 
So, I mean, there's... Um, now, he, he also talks about... That's not what my in, mom said. She just said, eh, no, she didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he talks in uh, The Weight of Glory a little bit about, you know, why would we still continue to be scholars mm-hmm. while they're over there fighting a war, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and he talks about why I'm not a pacifist. And there are... He like talks about these questions. I mean, yeah. Whether he answers them or not, I guess, is sure. whether you agree with his presuppositions or not. But yeah. Um, just bringing up the question a lot of times is, yeah, you know, the job. Yeah. Um, so I guess bringing it back to Smeagol, you know, um, you could even, um, he, he almost, he reminds me of a really modern character from a story. Like, like today when you, like when you get a, a story where you're like, well, this is a sad story, but it, it's still a story worth telling. You know, like you get a story like The Wrestler. Like my favorite yeah. movie, right? It's not a happy ending. It's not a classic like archetype, but that story does happen. Yeah. So it's like that's almost like Gollum, you know? A person can get to that and like have that addiction or have that and like not actually get to they just die from it. And it just takes them down. Yeah, it just takes them down. Um so then the other thing you were talking about that we've talked about before is if there had if he had decided for a redemption story, who would get it? And I think earlier when we were talking, I sort of ran through my mind why that wouldn't work. But um, I've always thought, what if um, the story focused more around Gandalf and Saruman's thing? Yeah. And Saruman got the redemption. And somehow the two of them either like make it there or like Gandalf has to take the ring and Saruman's there or somehow... They go round up the blue wizards and Radagast. Yeah, and, and they're just like, "Go storm them." We've got to take these dudes down, and that you know, the five of them just like go in, and Saruman gets to self sacrifice. Yeah, for his redemption at the end, uh, you get the. Um, but I think the thing that makes that not possible for this story is the the whole thing that the wizards are sort of this um, like angelic type character, yeah. where. They're almost in that. They're not as like extreme as the Bombadil thing, but it's like they almost they can guide people through the world, but they can't do it for them, you know. So that's where the Saruman almost seems to take more control of like what he's supposed to do than the other ones. You know, yeah. Gandalf is still like hardly ever doing all the work. You know, like he'll go and I feel like talk to people, but like when he goes out on his own, it's to guide someone or try to coerce them or get information for someone else. Yeah. It's never like he's just going like, well, I'm going to go uh, kick Saruman's ass. Yeah. You know, that's like, and I'm going to do it. Like, like when he's, you know, you know what I mean? It, that's really interesting. Um, so to focus it on that would almost maybe even bring the story up to a weird plane of unrelatable to like a reader, you know, it's like, cause they're not humans. Yeah. I, I think they're, so Tolkien was not trying to write Christian allegory, uh-huh. you know. So he, I, I don't know if that's just, well, I was just writing a story and that's mm-hmm. where it went. There was no, mm-hmm. you said something though, which actually, like when you said Saruman gets to self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Well, if we're if we're considering it to be a Christian allegory, mm-hmm. no one is sufficient for self-sacrifice. 
Mm. That's the whole point. That's that yeah. We are not good enough mm-hmm. to say that we are, well, I'll just keep the law. It's like, well, you can't. Mm-hmm. You will fail. It, it's too much. Mm-hmm. You need somebody better than you. It's a, it's a debt that's too great for you to pay. Mm-hmm. You need somebody who's got more, more money, more, mm-hmm. you know, more goodness. You know, so maybe the idea of a self-sacrifice would break the allegory. Yeah. I wonder, I'm sure it's probably a pretty simple thing if you study this type of thing, but like where the the idea that redemption for a character has had done so much bad that in the end they have to give their life to basically fulfill their redemption. You know, that's a really common, it's like yeah. we get it with Kylo, you know, we get it with Vader, you know, we get it like when they've done that much wrong, how could they ever, maybe it's they just can't exist in the world after that, you know, once they've kind of, like, where do you go once you've done that much bad? Yeah. They just have to be written out. But I don't know. I'd be curious to know what the first, um, it's probably Shakespeare, but, <laughs> you know, some, yeah. I, none of none of the Shakespearean stories I know to mind are, but I can only really think of, like, Romeo and Juliet, and she's not, because he's the one who accidentally dies, right? And then she takes the poison, or is it vice versa? But that's not that's not for like. Yeah. There's no redemption in that. It's more of a like a it's a rom a romance thing. Yeah. I don't know. I you're you're really shaking my world here. And then maybe maybe the fact that somebody dies, that redemption happens, mm-hmm. is not the redemption. It's like the redemption always happens before it. Right, and then yeah. they die. Yeah. So maybe maybe the death is Sorry, I'm trying to I'm trying to like work this out. Yeah. But maybe the death is not you know part of the redemption. Maybe as, as George Lucas poetry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe the fact that it they die is merely because the great sacrifice died. Mhm. So it's like, oh, well, here's my little sacrifice. Oh, and I can die. You know, like yeah. maybe that's just part of the, like, part of the genre of sacrifice. Yeah. I, that's what it is. You, you kill something. Yeah. Originally. I wonder if, you know, it's like in us as, so we always, I mean, I'm obviously like we, everybody like, um, if they, you know, at some point in their life probably seeks redemption for something. But like, I feel like in your on your daily life, you are not the person who's seeking redemption unless you've just done something awful. You are, you are like seeing the other, like when you are seeing redemption, like you are not relating to Kylo Ren in Star Wars. You're watching someone get redemption. So maybe the, like them needing to die is the, it's like, it's the, it's the part for you. It's the Hmm. capital punishment. That's the prison. You know, it's like, because even if you do something really terrible, but you redeem yourself, it's like, if you've, if you drowned all your, or you stabbed your dad with a lightsaber and you were responsible for your mom's death and you yeah. killed all these people, it's like, well, everybody else standing here, it's like, well, we can't let you, like, yeah, come just hang out now. You know, you've, you've killed off half the cast. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so maybe that's for the, uh, the, uh, what uh, what 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 in a story? What is the character called that you are basically perceiving? The one you relate to is there? I mean, I guess just the protagonist. Yeah, yeah. So like maybe you as the protagonist need to see that person punished, even though 
They themselves got the redemption, but for you, the protagonist, there still needs to be atonement for the sins that happened. Yeah. Maybe that's why they always have to die. Man. Yeah, this is this is wild. And this I mean, this is something that like yeah, I I I live with this. We have these we have these deep <laughs> questions. So I'm just like John's like oh, yeah. trying to make a table and I'm like well, have you thought about <laughs> <laughs> Well, so so I mean, but that's something that um is is fair like something that like Christian pastors and thinkers and things will will continually bring up about you sin. And then some people then just carry that around like, wow, terrible person. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, well, you have, Mm -hmm. I have, you know, everybody did it to varying degrees Mm -hmm. based on it. But what's always really important and often forgot is in the Christian sense is that's where I keep coming back to because we're kind of comparing Lord of the Rings from that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's not, you're good, they're bad, Mm -hmm. good. It's, lawbreaker yeah because that's that's a sin is not necessarily because lawbreaking usually hurts someone else right sin might just be you so so that brings us back to lord of the rings Mm -hmm. in a different way with saruman with meagle being addict so um western christian fairly judicial in its representation of you have broken the law Jesus is there to pay that debt. Mm-hmm. You are now no longer accused. Mm-hmm. So now that you're no longer accused, don't feel bad. Don't walk around with the guilt. Because mm-hmm. to do that is almost a slap in the face. Mm-hmm. To say that, yeah, I know you paid, but but I still want to feel bad about it. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, other, you know, in Egypt and East, they don't see it as a law. Sort of mm-hmm. situation. It's more of a, and I don't know as much about this. So I'll be not trying to say what it is. I just, it, it's less that in me, personal corruption level. Corrupted, let's get you uncorrupted, you mm-hmm. know, try to undo, you know. Um, so that is something that I've heard folks talk about in rings that, you know, orcs are elves that have been corrupted. Saruman, mm-hmm. Becomes corrupted. Mm-hmm. I am a little surprised that there is not some sort of uncorrupting that happens. Yeah, because that would be that. which maybe that's Frodo going to the Undying Land. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe there are different ways that's happening that I'm. Maybe the uncorrupting happens on such a different level than the corrupting, and which would make sense. Maybe for Tolkien, you know, we're talking about. Uh, if your leg's blown off, you don't uncorrupt from that, which is maybe the yeah. physical aspect of like, yeah, uh, Gollum or an orc, you know. Uh, we do have Theoden. Sorry. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah, I just yeah, remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do have Theoden. I was gonna bring him up. Um, I can't remember why now because I feel like that's a better reason to bring him up. Um, but he is under the spells. Else, yeah, and that's broken. Yeah. yeah. So a person, like an individual. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So so you I mean maybe that's the difference. Maybe he's not gone far enough. Maybe it was just because he was put under the spell. Mm-hmm. Maybe Is Saruman under Sauron's spell? Or is Saruman acting at, um as a a Nazi doctor 
Hmm. And he's just like, you know, maybe it at first it was just like, well, what else am I going to do? I live here and he's coming back. So I might as well be sitting on a chair underneath his throne. I believe, I believe he is described as he found the plant here. Okay. And he, and he was pride, mm-hmm. which is Lucifer's sin, mm-hmm. which is his, you know, the first great sin. So he said, thought he could use that. Mm-hmm. He was deceived. He couldn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it says that then that Armon put him under the spell or mm-hmm. if then he became corrupted based on that. Mm. Um, but I think that was, you know, like what we see him in The Hobbit, mm-hmm. which obviously that was written in for the movies. Mm-hmm. But I think that was, you know, him as not a nice guy necessarily, but mm-hmm. not corrupted fully. Yeah. You know? the uh, It's almost more Greek. Um, in that, like, they're, they're, the, the hero's fatal flaw is always hubris. Mm. It's always pride. Yeah. And that's what always gets them into troubles. And they're always, like, sort of a demigod. So maybe that's, like, kind mm. of Saruman's thing. You know, he's a, yeah. a, a half-god, kind of, in a way, you know. And pride was yeah. his downfall. Yeah. So he sort of has a Greek thing about him. Uh, Gandalf doesn't have it, though. Like... I don't think we hardly yeah. ever see pride from Gandalf's camp of like affecting him negatively. Mm-hmm. Well, he and he is very much fashioned after Odin mm-hmm. from a That's Nor- cool. Norse perspective. You know, he is the traveler, mm-hmm. and there are old drawings of Odin, Gandalf, but he's got one eye and no hat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the same yeah. old beard, long. Dude, staff. having Gandalf with an eye patch would have been pretty dope, dude. So you you were talking though about. Saruman, and it just uh-huh. occurred to me we do have the Shire, which of course I, you know, I. Oh yeah. So they you like know, when he goes there, you mean? When or? well, when they go back, which is of course not it's not depicted in the movies, but when they go back, the uh, the scouring of the Shire, mm-hmm. they. Holy crap! Sorry, I'm 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 sorry, folks. I was not more uh, up on this. You said you know so Saruman didn't have redemption, uh-huh. right? But he was given an opportunity oh. because they they run into him. Yeah, I just always forget that happens because it doesn't yeah. happen in the movie, and that's what I watch over and over and over and over again. Well, yeah, and the, and the movies are done so well, mm-hmm. but there is that brief moment where they just like they're riding and they run into him, and they're like, "Oh, I saw him on," and he's like, <laughs> "You know," yeah, and uh, they're like, "Just, just go," and he's like, "Fine," you know, and like they just like they let him go, uh-huh. and they say like, "Oh, whoa, whoa," they say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa,", whoa. <laughs> okay, there. Sorry, John, can you? <clears throat> okay, I think we're okay. Earthquake. Um, I was playing WoW over there. <laughs> um, sorry if I peaked it. Um, so you know they they give him an opportunity uh-huh. for redemption, and he goes back to I mean, the Shire. What would, what would it be at that point? Just a an admission of redemption? You, you know, know? I'm, I'm sorry I didn't bring that. I don't. I, that I part always seems so strange to me. Yeah, but like they, I think they say like, can you can you just go? Use your powers for good, or just don't do anything. Maybe, mm-hmm. and and I, I'll admit I don't remember that part was. So I don't, I don't mm-hmm. even try to find it right now. If it's even in, I only have the two towers with me. It's but. interesting they wouldn't off him. Yeah, but they give him the opportunity, and he yeah. goes and he goes to the Shire and takes it over and like pulls up all the trees, and imprisons a bunch of people. Yeah, you know, builds all those really big. You know, because Tolkien was very he was from near Birmingham, mm-hmm. so the lots of plants going up, mm-hmm. industrializing really didn't like 
that. Mm -hmm. So you see that in Orthanc, you see that in Shire, then becoming more industrialized, more houses out of ground rather than built into the trees and grass. And... Mm -hmm. But they go back, they take it back, and then they start, Sam plants the Malorn tree and mm -hmm. start to regrow it. Mm -hmm. So there is, there is some uncorrupting that happens. Yeah. If he'd redeemed, would he have had to die right afterwards? Or would he think they would yeah. have like just brought him along? It's like, how do you hang out with that guy after that? <laughs> you know, even if he'd like... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I just can't seem to look at you the same for some reason. I don't know what it is. Maybe it was yeah. all that death. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it's tough because like all those elves, you know, there's like, what, those 200 elves that showed up at Helm's Deep? Which, Am I right that that does not happen in the book? Right. Yeah. It. It. It's. I was. Do, I was going through one of those like all the things that you seem to remember happening when you read it, and yeah. the, the movie just did it, and I was like, no way. Oh, but it's a great part in the you know when the yeah. horns come. Mm -hmm. Oh, so great. Yeah. And, but every single one of those elves died. You know they they uh -huh. never shown any elves after that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you think, okay, all these elves are eternal mm -hmm. unless they're killed, mm -hmm. and they are all killed. Yeah. They all go to Helm's Deep and they all die. Mm -hmm. You know, but they sacrificed them mm -hmm. for the race of men. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder if... Do you think, you know, Jackson maybe was trying to make the elves a little more relatable? Maybe that was like a play for that, you know? It's like... Mm. like uh, Because they... I feel like in the... You know, when you're reading about them, they're... They're like, they like kind of party... Right yeah. in the books, you know, and it's like in there, there. But you know, like they really do live up that idea where it's like, dude, I could live forever if I just don't go do this stupid thing right now. Yeah, and maybe that was to kind of bring the elves back to, you know, to, for the audience to be perceived as good guys. Yeah, you know, not super selfish, which they just kind of are, but like you would be if you were. Yeah. Well, and they're a also, thousand years old. Yeah. yeah, and they're on the decline. So it's like, well, we've we've been in these battles before. And... Yeah, yeah. I think there's something um, in the like a human being realizing their mortality is like at best ninety years. So if you're like, you know, if I die in my thirties, it's like, well, it wasn't like it was gonna be that much longer, and it was probably gonna go downhill anyway. Mm -hmm. And if I can do it, die for a good thing. Yeah, then that's better than living another 60 years just fucking off. Yeah. You know, uh, whereas an elf, it's like, might go through a hundred wars. Yeah. And if you live, it, it it's always just as good after that war. You're not, a, like your body isn't even degenerating. Yeah. Like yeah. How, how differently you would kind of think about everything. What's, what's interesting though, is they do talk about the elves being jealous reality. In some regards, because there's something about nice they'd put that in actually, so it's not just like, oh, my life's awesome. Yeah, but they they do, you know, it's like, well, uh, the sweetness that mm -hmm. that men get mm -hmm. is real intense mm -hmm. because it's only gonna last so long. Yeah, elves then kind of get like uh, <laughs> that sweetness, that vanilla. For some reason, that reminds me of like the uh, Barbosa scene. And uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Black Pearl, you know, where it's like... Taste an apple. Yeah. yeah. And, and to think if you had lived... Because they... 
I don't remember what I was reading. I don't remember if it was in like a psychology class or whatever, if I just found it. But um, the idea that that time goes by quicker when you are older because everything around you, you have now already perceived it. Well, like um, you think, think about when you're a kid and you were like looking at the ceiling and you're like, why is it like spiky? Like, why did we spackle it? You know, like, why did, why would we make the ceiling sharp? Why is you there know? dried beer on the ceiling? Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, oh my I, gosh, there is. I know why there's dried beer on the ceiling. But, uh, tune back to Heavy Western uh, Show, uh, whatever it was. I don't know. That was probably a Facebook Live or something. But, yeah. Um, you know, so you, uh, as time, it's like, you don't, you don't look at like what tires look like anymore when you're in your 30s. Yeah. And you don't get interested by uh, the pattern on uh, walls anymore or carpet yeah. like you do when you're little. Or like how you like when you're little, you chase uh, like raindrops going down the window. You don't do that as an adult. You've already done it. So like the things around you are just like, it's like why I feel like the first movie of everything is always better because it's always new. You know, it's like yeah. everything in Lord of the Rings is new and fresh and awesome and like Things aren't like cataclysmic yet hmm. in Fellowship or like Pirates of the Caribbean, Black Pearl or A New Hope or anything where you're just like, you're just soaking it all in. So by like the time by, you know, you're to the eighth one, you know, the idea of a lightsaber doesn't even like, it's cool, but you're not like, whoa, like, what is it? Yeah. You know, and that's supposedly part of why time goes by so much faster. You worked a job, the same one for 10 years. Nothing about that job, uh, fascinates you anymore you know like nothing is like the the learning experience of it is gone so maybe the key to stretching out time for yourself is learning your whole life rather than becoming complacent and the more you learn the slower time goes yeah that's why yeah i don't have it oh the why mortality is sweet yeah and like, wh- imagine if you were 500 years old yeah, and you were an elf in Middle Earth, you know everything. Yeah. So time would be going really fast. Yeah. But it would just be like endless, t- fast time of... A month would feel like nothing. Yeah. It, it, your life would be like that YouTube video of the Lord of the Rings, but every time they say ring, it speeds <laughs> up. <laughs> and the entire movie is eight minutes long or something. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Moria takes like one second uh you know i wish we had more of in fellowship uh the movie in particular because i know that i wish we got to more see walking uh <laughs> i i love the walking and i was like hmm, walking uh i when we me and my dad would go uh look for shed antlers when i was little i would yeah. always be pretending i was in fellowship like walking over the hills yeah. and the mountains and the rivers and stuff looking for shed antlers um and i'd bring a sword course so i could hit weeds and stuff pretend they're orcs uh nice but um uh what was i get a few beers and you still do that out here in the cold <laughs> i do <laughs> i do uh oh um i really love all that window into the depiction of the rings and we see them very briefly you know mm, like we, yeah. we get to see the the three elven ones like yeah. quite a bit you know gandalf having one and elrond and uh they don't show because um, Gandalf doesn't have it at that point. Okay, okay. He gets Gil-Galad's, and they show mm-hmm. Gil-Galad, who, that was like the only moment they show him. Mm. But he's the guy who had the, the spear, yeah. Iglos, 
Sauron just grabs him mm-hmm. and like he bursts into So cool. Anyway, I'm sorry. So he, yeah, he, yeah. He, he, I think his ring was then given to appeared in the shipwright. Okay. Who then they eventually gave it to Gandalf. I'm sorry. No, I, no, no, I just no. love that little tidbit. There. It's super cool. I just, I love the rings, like yeah. all the different ones. And, you know, we've talked about like why. So say, say Tolkien was retconning the great ring, the one ring, right? And, uh, it's where you like go back and you like, you hadn't thought about that. So you like write in as the reason, like it's like writing in that Boba and Django are Mandalorians again. They've oh. retconned that into it being, and I have no idea what the abbreviate or like the acronym or whatever it is for, but that's what people John, say. Can you find this out? Retcon. Um, but so, um, the, I, I like the idea that that ring is so powerful to the right wielder, um, that the only weird side effect that a mortal even experiences from it is just invisibility. And that's just like, imagine ex- explosion and it's like, you're getting the like tip of the radiation over here, yeah. you know, and it's not hurting while well, it is hurting them. It's yeah. like eating their mind, but, um, you know, I wish, like, do the other ones have things they do? I know they are associated with stuff. I didn't know this. Retcon stands for retroactive continuity. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so everybody says that. But I didn't, that's good. Retroactive continuity. But, um, okay. so, you know, is the, is the magic attribute of them just that they can be controlled? You know, maybe, are they not, were they not magic when gifted? Yeah. But they are magic, you know. It's like they're just spe- in the same way that like an elver sword is like magic. It's not necessarily doing anything other than like glowing. You yeah. know, it doesn't like shoot lightning out of it or something. You know, dude, that'd be cool. Yeah, it's just like the Force idea. Lightning. You yeah, you have magic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and but uh, the short story long, I wish we got to see more of the dwarven ones. Oh yeah. You know, you see them on that little uh like pillow or something there, like mm-hmm. right. Yeah. For just a second, and. Uh, be cool if they you got to kind of dice those up more. Yeah, yeah, it would be cool to have more, like the the Star Wars visual encyclopedias. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool if they had more, like just like each ring, what yeah. it does, a nice. You know they stuff. exist. You saw them. Yeah. So it's like, uh, on Peter Jackson, show us. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when uh, we'd looked up who made them, and he was a man. Yes. It was a human. And I feel like we'd always, like, you're led to believe it's elves, but it was like he was, like, commissioned, or he was a, the same type as, like, Aragorn or something. He, there was something different about him, Yeah, but he was a man. Like a half, yeah. half elf or something. I remember or, we were at Palin. Yeah. And the, the artwork for him is really cool, if you, like, look him up on Wikipedia. Yeah, it's like a D&D card or something. Yeah, like a, a super old, like, 80s. Magic card. Yeah. I can't, I can't seem to remember his deal, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't recall any even say because i think you know sauron was the one who commissioned him right? mm-hmm. yeah um but everything magical maybe that was to get one over on the elves because everything yeah. like i feel like magical or like that they would be the ones making yeah and they weren't going to make a ring that would screw them over mm-hmm. yeah it wouldn't make a ring like that and they might not even trust you know if i know there was there was something there was a note in that, whatever we were reading mm-hmm. about Sauron being gift giver mm-hmm. and being known as the gift giver and being more wholesome appearing, you know, and mm-hmm. there's the joke about like, 
Hey, Saruman, why, why is your uh, house all so spiky? <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, and then like, you know, and then Sauron's like, okay, he's got the big spike. And Gandalf's there and he's like looking around. He's like, <laughs> yeah. So, you, you know, you think about like the Sauron we see in the war. It's like big spiky helmet, flames everywhere. It's yeah. all black. It's like, yeah. here, here's a ring. It's, it's like, war when he brought you that like <laughs> complimentary, like, yeah, it's like Galadriel. Here's a ring. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh hey, spiky man, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like uh, maybe maybe that was part of you. Maybe he obviously probably had some more wholesome appearance, but then mm-hmm. that guy is making the rings. And... Yeah, Sauron is always. I mean, I think it's he's very oddly Hitler-like for being uh, a predecessor to Hitler. Yeah, <laughs> as far as the story, and we were talking. Uh, yesterday about how he's weaker in man form than he is as an idea. Yeah. Remember? And it was like, but, you know, an idea, the man has to have the idea. The tyrant Mm. has to have the idea. But in that form of, like, just fear and tower and, like, just this weird, he can see everything, he's way stronger. Yeah. Rather than when somebody could just cut his finger off and take everything away. Yeah, yeah, just slice done mm-hmm. but then as the spirit as that idea really moves yeah that uh, that's an inter- really interesting parallel to nazi germany sure yeah i i you know i, I know that's one thing that I, I always heard growing up was like oh well not everybody knew what was going on mm-hmm. you know and um I, I think pretty soon you know you start to hear mm-hmm. no yeah, sure. You know, everybody yeah. knew they just didn't want to, even if they were uncomfortable with it, they just didn't want to think about it. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of uh, license. Well, you can see, like, you see it, like, you know, in the United States and moving towards ideas where you're like, there'll be a large mass of people, 50% of people, yeah. who are going towards an idea. And you're like, you don't think that, do you? Like, there's no way you'd let that happen. And it's like, well, why not? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> D. <laughs> Wait. So you're saying you want your house to be all big and spiky, <laughs> and that's just an aesthetic choice. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's usually, I feel like, you know, we could boil it down to um, the everybody in Germany probably felt like a victim. Yeah. Well, because they, the reparations rude them in World War One. They basically were one of the um, belligerents in World War One, and they basically paid the whole bill mm-hmm. for the... Yeah, and they were like, you know, I feel like a lot of the stuff we see around here, it's like people feel like victims, but maybe they are, or maybe they're not as much as they think they are, but there's power in convincing someone they're a victim or feeling like you're a victim, and I feel like even on an individual level, like, you know, the the type of person where um, they gather strength and that their day always sucks. And when they talk to you, something about their life is always bad. And when they're, when something goes good for them, they try to figure out a way to make it bad because if, if their life is just good and you're like, oh, that's really awesome. I'm glad that happened to you. Uh, they're like, well, it's not always like this. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I had to pay taxes on it. Yeah. You know, and you're like, why can't you just... You know, there's no power and just like, thanks. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think that's uh, basically that person. 
Um, I'm saying, well, I feel like, you know, do, like, do you think orcs, well, uh, the Eastern lace, they side yeah. with him, you know, like an orc is, you know, that they're, they're a person who is, um, through their probably, you know, they have been manipulated. Yeah. And I can't believe I didn't even think about this. There is a excellent bit in the book where, cause it happens in the movie where, uh, the range, uh, the Ithilian rangers, mm -hmm. they shoot one out of the tower on the alt, falls mm -hmm. down, boom, right in front of Sam. Mm -hmm. That part of the movie is super cool, too. It is. And Sam has a thought, which you don't get in the movie, but it's mm -hmm. about, whoa, who is this guy? Mm -hmm. Where's he from? Yeah. Did he want to come here? Mm -hmm. Or did he just like get coerced into coming here? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's this really human moment where Sam's like, you know, gives credence to his enemy mm -hmm. about just like, well, Maybe you're just caught up in this too. You know, I didn't want to come here, mm -hmm. you know? And you, you know, you think about that in a war setting. It's like mm -hmm. You're there, your enemy's there, and you're like, well, I don't really want to be here. You don't mm -hmm. want to be here. I don't want to shoot you. You don't want to shoot me. Mm -hmm. Neither of us want to get shot, so one of us is probably going to shoot first. Yeah. And... and go ahead. Is it maybe the all the Germans are hurting and upset enough to go, but the country next to them is just like, they're just going to consume us. Yeah. Like, so they're like, well... I guess that's what we got to do. You yeah. know, it's like if we, if we're, it's that or be wiped out, you know, or they convince them that the, um, the place that Germany wants to take hold of, they've manipulated, manipulated them into also feeling like maybe, maybe this country aren't victims, but they but get, the, they get, yeah, they, they get are. manipulated into feeling like they are by the Germans who maybe just actually are victims. You know, it's like, come on, yeah. you can let, you can let these people take that from you all yeah. the time, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And and that's a really interesting it's like the Germans were actually victims of getting scraped out. You mm -hmm. know, they had their factories like cleaned out, like mm -hmm. the machines taken out. Um, I think there was a Bonhoeffer. His father or his grand cashed in the mm -hmm. and it was like a literal wheelbarrow full of box of strawberries. Damn. You know, it's like mm -hmm. that's how far the, the, the mark had fallen mm -hmm. of the, the German. Fallen. It just wasn't worth anything. Mm -hmm. So it's like the, you know, there was no moral reason for World War I. Like mm -hmm. the Germans in 1914 were not. Mm -hmm. But they got screwed really bad. And, and that was real. Mm -hmm. They were victims of that. You mm -hmm. know, it's like France got it too, but they didn't have to pay any money after. Mm -hmm. So ba basically, German Germany paid America, Britain, France. You know, because going to war costs a lot of money. You got to buy mm -hmm. guns. You got to buy planes. You got to buy tanks. So Germany basically paid for that. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, I'm going to buy you tanks to come kill me. That's what that that was that was for. So it's like, yeah, you'd be really upset. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, wow, hey, I survived the war. Now my economy's in shit. You know, <laughs> and then somebody comes by and says, oh, hey. You know how you feel really bad? It's the Jews' fault. You mm -hmm. know, and it's like, yeah, and you no, don't, you don't. That's not right. The you know, uh, there's no um, internet. Yeah, there's no communication. Mm -hmm. There's no. So if you're just a farmer, and like four times someone tells you that, you're like, yeah. Why am I the one who gets screwed? Yeah. What did I ever do to anybody? But but. You know, before anybody thinks we're uh, justifying that. Oh, yeah. That's not how you deal with it. 
you don't go exterminate yeah yeah six million people. obviously that person's wrong well yeah it's know? like okay this sucks you are mm-hmm. a victim but you can't go exterminate six million people mm-hmm. because that's not how you deal with it mm-hmm. you know there's something else we got to do you know yeah so i feel like britain and france are the i mean the allied powers mm-hmm. america you know we set that up to happen mm-hmm. you know to some degree sure you know and i don't know if you could draw a parallel then to Lord of the Rings, some way. I think I think it'd be safe to say the orcs are definitely. I mean, they're shitty. Mm-hmm. That's like a thing about that particular character is they are shitty. They're always shitty, but they're definitely always getting their ass handed to them. Yeah, you know. So like them wanting to finally kick all the elves' asses and the men's asses is like, well, yeah, they want to do that. You know. So there's no like. I don't feel like it takes much coercion, coercing to get a band of orcs to follow Sauron, whereas the Easternlies, maybe it was a little harder. Yeah. Yeah, because they're not even, like, nearby. You yeah. Know, they're, they're way over, you know, you have to get mm-hmm. a pretty, like, some Middle-earth maps don't even show Parad. On. Yeah. You know, it's like you have to get a bigger map to, to even see where they're from. Like, I wonder if, it, is it economic for them? You know, is it like, if this person's taking over the place where we get our resources, we want to be with them? Like an oil type thing? Maybe. Yeah, you know? I, mean, I yeah, and you know, I think they're like Mordor is like west mm-hmm. of Harad, so it's like. Do they ever really talk about why the Eastern loser involved? Even just that Sauron. Well, Sauron started, I think, giving them, uh, paying tribute. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, this guy seems pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spiky face, but hey, <laughs> yeah. For some reason, he's just a weird. He he is a tower. <laughs> <laughs> I've never met a man who was building before, but he keeps giving us things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I feel like, you know, the weird predictive text that uh, Tolkien generates about World War II is really pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, before anybody roasts, and, and we both understand it, that came out after World War II. But, you know, he was working on this so far before. It's mm-hmm. like, I, I, I don't believe World War II happened. And he, oh, hey, well, you know, how about I just, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, cause, because you could say that this whole good and evil thing was in The Hobbit. Yeah. Whether it was the Ring and Sauron or not. Yeah, you yeah. Know, good and evil was in the Silmarillion, which was started in, you know, what, when he was in World War I. So yeah. it's like the, the idea of good and evil has started before. So oh. it, it is still, you know, the Fellowship came after 10 years after World War II. Yeah. But the predictive... Yeah, part yeah, yeah. that you're talking about. I... The um, the thing I was I'd set that up for was uh, that Sauron was a man originally, just a dude, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know what race or if he was. Oh, okay, okay. But but I mean, he was a creature. He wasn't like a wizard. He he wasn't you know? just a spiky dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he turned himself into a uh god in the same way like that Hitler. Like if you were to compare the two, mm-hmm. you know, whereas he was just a, um, a guy, yeah, you know, kind of had come up through the ranks, similar to well, you know, Hitler served in World War One, right? As like a, gosh, as Sorry, a, you're talking, yes, he did, and um, for several fortunate, and he was just like they they actually said that he was very lucky because he would like he would be in a foxhole and he'd be like I'm gonna weird. go over there, boom, and then he would, it would you know there's one time he walked out of a tent. 
just like it exploded right Weird, you know man. it's like i mean there was like several times universe is strange but so you're talking about he served in world war one you know the germans lost came back uh-huh are on if you're talking like silmarillion uh-huh. stuff morgoth was the real big bad guy um and he was like actually like of the you know one of the valar part of the higher mm. order of uh, H- higher, creatures higher than a wizard oh yeah okay yeah way you know so does he like satan kind of and yes. he's a fallen yeah okay. and, and they have the same uh, origin story is that okay. um there is um eru who is the one mm-hmm. um, but it's very similar to i am christian there is the one. Mm-hmm. eru you know as the valar and they're singing okay and melkor john can you type in melkor i feel like i'm getting melkor and morgoth i'm i'm sure if we're dealing with two variations um so melkor though was the one who then Mm -hmm. starts singing his own arrows bro we're singing mm-hmm. thing. Fine. I'm he's gonna... like, <laughs> yeah, so he's like, well, well, I'm going to work it back into my melody. Uh-huh. But what you have done has created a world. Put you on the... Takes all the valor and he puts them on. Because mm-hmm. you will have to live on this. Mm-hmm. Become the, the river god and the sea god and the mountain god. Mm-hmm. Um, and Satan. Mm-hmm. What, what do you got? Uh, what, what was it you needed to know? Melkor. What about him? What, what, um, he's one of the Valar, right? And is it yeah. or is it mentioned Morgoth? Yeah, later known predominantly as Morgoth. Cool. Okay. I same was, person. Yeah. So I was I was really worried that I was getting my, my names, mm-hmm. but so so Sauron was a lieutenant mm-hmm. of Morgoth. Mm-hmm. So Morgoth is defeated. Mm-hmm. Sauron's just still here. Mm-hmm. So there's that first defeat, and then the World lieutenant War One. becomes yeah, and then mm-hmm. the lieutenant comes back, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and becomes like astronomically stronger than an individual should ever yeah be able to you know. And he tries to wipe out the race. You know, it's like yeah. he, he was trying to like you know yeah. Man, th- there's some really interesting drawn here. That I wasn't expecting to get to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, is it more, is it weird that it's like, that the, um, a, a story sort of written around World War One ends up being more like World War Two or like a lot like, or having that aspect of it? Or is it weirder that World War Two is so, uh, um, like... Um, what would the right word be? Like, is so of a good story, <laughs> like what yeah. you would consider a really yeah. well written. You know, it, that's almost strange. It's like, what war is like well written? If you yeah. were looking at it as if an author wrote it. Yeah, that that is that is wild. That is you know how many different words you look at and you're just bluster. Mm-hmm. It's just everybody's. Being an asshole. Yeah. 
and, and everybody just dies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just like cool. What'd we get? Uh, a lot of people. A lot of people died. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, yeah. It's like World War Two is almost like written by a Shakespeare or something. You know, Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> Dara Tolkien, Illuminati. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Wee 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 wee. Man, well, I feel enlightened. Yeah, I feel like we've we've reached Harry, reached the top. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, what do you think? You think that's a good wrap up for that one? Good. All right. Well, don't forget, guys. <laughs> I don't know why I always say it. we got both kinds here. Heavy, Heavy and Western. Western.